1: It's time once again for another look in a God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you again to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is brought to you each week by people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God, and who appreciate its power and authority. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your teacher each week as we look into the pages of the Word of God to allow the Spirit of God to teach us through His Word. We're going to pick up today where we left off last time uh, in our study of uh, mysteries that are solved by the mystery. And I remind you again when we talk about the, the mystery. We're talking about the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. You see in the Bible a mystery is not something that's superstitious. It's not something, who do, do? It's not something you can't know. It's really just simply a secret. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, we preach the hidden wisdom of God. We preach the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. That's why he says the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Now you think about that. That's one of the great one one of the two great divisions in the Bible. Paul is preaching something that was kept secret by God until it was revealed to to and through the apostle Paul. The Apostle Peter, on the other hand, in Acts chapter 3, the chapter right after the great pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, speaking as the Spirit gave him utterance, said that he was preaching that which is spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Something that was spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began, that is, it was spoken, preached about, made known since the world began. Paul said, I'm preaching something that was not spoken, not made known, not proclaimed since the world began. Well, you know, just by comparing Acts 3.21 and Romans sixteen twenty five and 26, I mean, all you've got to do is set those verses in front of yourself, and you know they're not the same. That's what he means when he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There is a distinction between two programs in God's word. When Paul says rightly dividing the word of truth, he's not talking about dividing truth from error. I know a lot of preachers say that. They retranslate the verse, and they say properly handling, handle it right, don't make a mistake. That's not what he said at all. In Second Timothy 2, when he describes that, he gives that command. Two verses later, he describes two guys who are wrongly dividing the word of truth, and their, their error was that they said the resurrection is past. They didn't deny the resurrection. They just got the timing of it wrong. Well, dispensational Bible study, rightly dividing the word, is simply a timeline on which you place the events in the program of God on the timeline of his own making. So right division, we call that dispensational Bible study. Now, where do we get that word? Well, for example, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says, If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you. You see, that's not a religious term. People use Bible terms and put religious meanings on it. But religion didn't develop that word. God did. <laughs> and um, if your religion uses it different than in the Bible, that's your religion's problem. A dispensation, First Corinthians 12, he says, There is one Lord, but many administrations. A dispensation is an administration. It's the particular set of instructions given by God for man's obedience during a particular administration. Now, you understand those things happen in life. Well, they happen in the Bible. And the two great divisions in Scripture is between prophecy, which is spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began, and the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Someone asked me, said, Brother Jordan, don't you know any other verses in that, in the Bible? Because I talk about them pretty much every week, at least for, for a moment. And the answer is, yes, I do. If you get these straight, then the rest of them will come. But this is where... Answers to the confusion, the the religious... If you want to solve the major religious confusions, the mysteries that people struggle with, this will do it. Probably the most divisive, confusing issue in Christendom is the issue of baptism. You bring up the word baptism. Now, the majority, vast majority of Christendom, if you say baptism, they say water. (laughs) Because most people don't know that there's any other kind of baptism in the Bible except water baptism. Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And everybody says, see, that's water baptism. But that's uh, that's putting the cart before the horse there, my friend. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. To say that the, the one baptism in Ephesians chapter 4 is water baptism, friend, that, that's to be just as fouled up as a termite in a yo-yo. Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist is talking. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, that's the Lord Jesus, is mightier than I, ...whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear... ...he, Christ... ...shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost... ...and with fire. Notice there are three distinct... ...kinds of baptisms in one verse... ...Matthew 3.11. There's the water baptism... ...of John. There's the baptism with the Holy Ghost... ...that Jesus performed on the day of Pentecost... ...when he poured his spirit out on them. And when there's a baptism with fire... The next verse tells you, whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the fire judgment is when Jesus Christ comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on the that not God. Three baptisms, a water baptism, a ceremonial cleansing, the holy the baptism with the Holy Spirit, where he poured out his Spirit upon them and filled them, with the Holy Spirit, the Pentecost, and then the baptism of fire, where he purges his floor and burns up the chaff, the unbelievers with unquenchable fire. Now that's three different baptisms in one verse. So now I go to Ephesians four verse five and say that well, there's one baptism. well, wait a minute, there's more than one baptism in the Bible. and most people only think of water baptism. most people, only are aware of water baptism because their particular religious system, their particular denominational approach, focuses on that one baptism, water. It's a fascinating thing. Jesse O'Hare used to call the topic of baptism religious TNT. You want to get a fight started among Christian people, you want to see them bite and devour one another in a hurry? Well, bring up the topic of water baptism. (laughs) There are about three topics you can bring up, and that's one of them, probably the first one. And uh, if if you want to resolve that topic, by the way, when when people argue about water baptism, they argue about who should be baptized, pedo-baptism, baptizing children. Uh, In the Bible, you never see any child be baptized. But people say, well, they have arguments from tradition arguments from logic, to baptize children. Then you have adult baptism. It's called believer's baptism. That is, once you're saved, then you're baptized as a witness that you are saved. Now, that's there's nothing, nothing like that in the Bible either, but that's another religious system's idea. Then you have what's called baptismal regeneration. That is, they believe that when you're baptized in water, that somehow you come in contact with the Holy Spirit in, in the water there, and that you are given eternal life through that action of water baptism. It's called baptismal regeneration. Then there's some other people that say, well, no, it's not baptismal regeneration, but it's baptismal salvation, because without it, you can't be saved. Very famous preacher. Uh, pastor, the church out on the West Coast, got a big radio ministry all over the country, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stations. And he preaches the gospel that Christ died for your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And then he says, but if you don't get water baptized, I doubt you are saved. I don't believe you can be saved. If you, I don't believe you are saved if you don't get water baptized. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm either saved by trust in Christ or I'm saved by getting water baptism. Water baptized. Which is it? He says, well, you're saved by trust in Christ, but if you don't get baptized, you didn't trust Christ. And in other words, there's baptismal salvation. And then people say, well, baptism should be by immersion. You should put people all the way under and bring them all the way up because it symbolizes death. Probably that is, when's the last time you saw somebody buried by dunking them in water and pulling them back out? I mean, we dare bury people, we put them under and we leave them under. We don't put them under and pull them back out. Um, but Jesus or none of his disciples were buried in water. Jesus was buried in, in stone. Um, so, but that's immersion. Got to be immersion. Well, if it's going to be immersion, it needs to be adults. So that that's part of the reason. Part of the reasons for immersion, is, and people are so, so harsh, hard on immersion, is that they're they're trying to maintain the issue of adult baptism because you're not going to immerse a baby. Then there's some people who say, well, no, you can pour it on people. And you've got people that believe in pouring the water. And that's like in Acts chapter 2 when when they're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Jesus baptizes the believers there with the Holy Ghost. He pours out his spirit on them. And so they say, well, it should be pouring. Then you have some other people that say, well, it really should just be christening or sprinkling. I and mean, They just drop a little water on your forehead, and, and you just sprinkle it, and you say the words there. And that's like... Ezekiel chapter 36 when, when God tells us, I will sprinkle clean water on you and purify you from all of your filthiness of your flesh and from your idolatry. So there's, biblically, there's sprinkling, then biblically, there's pouring, and biblically, there isn't any immersion. So, you know, but the more people get, argue, argue about how to, do, how to do it. Who should do it? Who will be doing it? And folks, there are literally denominations in, the, in, 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 in Christendom today that that is their main focus. That is, their reason for existence is arguing about that. If you've been around Christians very long, you know that that's one of the topics that you can get a fight about. It's fascinating when you go to the Bible, though. Did you know that the only time water baptism is mentioned in the epistles of the Apostle Paul is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you take the word baptize and baptism and baptized and baptizing all the different forms and put them on a board and you write down every one of them that is water baptism, you'll find water baptism mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. The baptism in Romans has nothing to do with water. One time you'll find water baptism in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 First Corinthians twelve, that baptism, that's not water. Galatians is not water. Ephesians is not water. Colossians is not water. Then you go to First Peter, you go to Hebrews, and First Peter, and it's water again. It's fascinating that to find water baptism taught in a positive light in the Bible, you have to go everywhere in the Bible except Paul's epistles. The only time Paul mentions water baptism, let me read it to you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse fourteen. I thank God that I baptized water baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest I should say that I baptized in my and he should say that I baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the house of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. Now, you ever heard a preacher talk like that about water baptism? Monday morning quarterback club down at the, at, the, at the corner restaurant, preachers are down there bab- bragging about how many people they baptize. The world's largest Protestant denomination bemoans the fact that so, few, so many of their churches baptize so few people. Paul said, I thank God I didn't baptize but a few of you. Why? For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. That's a startling statement. Now, it's so startling that people get, you know, they, they get to, uh, 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 what, what about in, uh, yeah, buts, uh, to go in about that verse. Christ sent me not to baptize. As people say, well, he didn't baptize because he was an evangelist traveling around, and he didn't pastor the church. Can you read, look back at verse number one. Paul called to be, First 1 Corinthians 1, one called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Paul called to be an evangelist? No. Paul called to be an apostle. You know who he was? Every epistle he wrote, he wrote as the apostle, Paul. Paul didn't write as an evangelist. Paul is an apostle. Paul had authority everywhere he went. And beside that, he said, as an apostle, Christ did not commission me to baptize. Now, the 12 apostles could have never said that. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Jesus is talking to his 11 disciples. J- Judas is dead. Matthias hadn't been elected yet. So he's got the apostolate and he says to them, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them. Now there's no not one of the twelve apostles that could say Christ didn't send me to baptize because in Matthew 28:19 he commissioned them to baptize. Think about that. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize. He sent the twelve apostles to baptize. That means that Paul and the twelve apostles were not working under the same commission. They were not operating under the same instructions. You see why it's important to make the distinction between prophecy and mystery? You don't get that. You're going to read here, and you're going to be in absolute confusion. In fact, what you're going to wind up doing is denying something that the Bible clearly says. Israel's apostles, the twelve apostles, the apostles of the circumcision, were sent to baptize, because water baptism was a part of Israel's kingdom program. Paul, Christ sent me not to baptize. Paul was not under the commission that the twelve worked under. Not only that, he said Christ sent me not to baptize. As an apostle who wasn't sent to baptize, they were different commissions. But he was sent not he said i was he sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. That means that that baptism water baptism was not a part of the gospel. Paul was sent to preach if he was sent to preach the gospel and he was not he was sent not to baptize then baptism water baptism is not a part of the gospel he was sent to preach. <laughs> Mark chapter 16, Jesus tells those apostles of his, his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Part and parcel of the gospel that the apostles, Peter and the twelve apostles, were sent to preach was water baptism. When he said, Go preach the gospel. That good news included water baptism. That's why the apostle Peter, following the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ in that commission given to him in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, follows the orders of the Lord and says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If they wanted to have their sins forgiven, their sins remitted, and they wanted to receive the Holy Ghost as they saw the apostles and the little flock receive on the day of Pentecost, they had to repent. They had to change their mind about crucifying the Messiah. They had to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and they had to be water-baptized to separate themselves out as the believing remnant in Israel. That's clear. That's no problem. So their good news, Peter's good news to Israel, contained the issue of water-baptism. Paul's gospel was different. In Paul's gospel, there was no water-baptism associated with his message. There was no baptism had no, no 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 part in it. Why? Because they're different programs. It didn't have to do with ones in one denomination and one's in another. <laughs> they're two different distinct programs. One is prophecy, one is the mystery. One is what God purposed to do in the earth. Prophesied, talked about, explained that he would do from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 all the way through the ministry of Peter, the book of Acts, what he's going to do with the nation of Israel. Paul's ministry was something that was kept secret, it had to do with a different agency, the church, the body of Christ, and what God's going to do with it. And when Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, he's not talking saying there's only one baptism in the Bible any more than he's saying there's only one faith in the Bible. He's saying that to us as members of the body of Christ there's only one Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, he says the Lord's many and God's many. But to us, there's only one Lord. He's not saying there's only one faith. There are many faiths in the Bible, many sets of doctrine to believe. But for us as members of the body of Christ, there's just one doctrine to believe, and that's found in Paul's epistles, the faith. And the same is true about baptism. For us, there's one baptism. What baptism is that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul makes it very clear for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body and have been all made to drink into that one spirit. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, we've all been baptized into that one body. That's what a one is. The total equality between all believers comes by being placed into the body of Christ. How do you get into the body of Christ? The Spirit of God puts you there. Now, you know that's something that man couldn't do. Romans chapter six, Paul says, Know you not that so many as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Now think about that verse. There's no physical way, no natural means whereby you could be baptized into Jesus Christ and into his death. You know that can't be natural. It's gotta be supernatural. Well, Jesus isn't even here. And how would you be baptized into him if he was? (laughs) You couldn't. That's a supernatural activity. Colossians 2.14 says it's the operation of God. This is a baptism that God himself, God the Holy Ghost himself, performs when he takes the believer and places you into Jesus Christ. And that happens the instant, the very moment you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The moment you trust Christ, one of the things the Holy Ghost does for you is he baptizes you. He identifies you into a living union with God the Son. And that baptism is the one baptism by the one Spirit into the one body that is the one baptism for today. You know what's the one baptism? Because God does it to you the moment you get saved. Ten seconds later after you're saved, it's too late to do it to do it again. <laughs> Anything, you, any other baptism you have after being placed into Christ is a second, third, fourth, or fifth baptism. Some people come along tell you you need to get water baptized. You need to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost with initial evidence, speaking in tongues, and all those other b- baptism of fire and eradication, all those denominational doctrines. They're adding to the one that God gave us. And God, when he gave us that one, that's the one. That he gave us the moment you trust Christ. He put you into Christ. If any man in Christ, Christ is a new creature, he blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He, in Christ, he made you complete in him. He gave you everything he has for you in his son. What, what do you have with a water ceremony that I don't have already in Christ? Nothing. You see, it doesn't add anything to you. People say it's a testimony. Well, it's a testimony that you don't think that being in Christ is sufficient. <laughs> no, it's a bad testimony. You see, the answer to the confusion about baptism, this tremendously divisive issue, is don't go back to Israel's program and try to be like Israel. It's to take the program that God has in effect for us today and live in it and appreciate the mechanics of positional truth, how he puts you into his son. Now, my time's almost gone. Let me give you a, a Bible study. I've got a series of studies, one I want to give you, called The World's Most Dangerous Doctrine know you know what, you know what the, the single most dangerous doctrine anybody ever can teach is? Well, it, it's very simple, but it's deadly. I'd like to give you this Bible study so that you can understand how not to be caught up in the world's most dangerous doctrine. You call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. And you request to tape The World's Most Dangerous Doctrine. I'll see that you get a free copy. 888-535-2300. You request the Bible study The World's Most Dangerous Doctrine. And I'll see you get one. My number again is 888 535 You can also write me here at, at the Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. You can also find us on the World Wide Web at graceimpact.org. Grace impact that's one word, graceimpact.org. We're trying to be easy to find. We don't want to be hidden in the bushes. We're not trying to get you to do anything. We're, we're, we don't have anything for you to join. We're not doing, try to get you to do something that you don't want to do. We don't have a denomination to promote. We don't have an organization for you to get involved in. We just have some truth out of God's Word that we'd like to share with you because we know it can transform your life. To have God's Word work effectually in you, that believe. There's nothing ever going to be more exciting. There's nothing ever going to be as exciting as that. And that's why we try to put this Bible study material into your hands. So if you call us 888-535-2300 you can write us Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois 60108 or go to the World Wide Web to graceimpact.org Any of those ways you can get in touch with us. By the way, on the website You'll find that this program is archived. You can listen to it again. Uh, you know, if you don't like what you hear and you want to yell at me again, you—it's there. <laughs> the whole—it's—it's—it's it's, it's archived there. Uh, a lot of there's a host of other Bible study material uh, available there. We also have a, a weekly television program that uh, airs over Dish Network and Direct TV, the two national satellite programs, as well as a number of uh, local broadcast stations in different cities. The schedule for all of that is on the website. That's an easy way to find a lot of material, graceimpact.org, and uh, you you, you make yourself available to that as as it commends itself to you. Can I tell you that you need to have in your life an assembly where the Word of God is taught rightly divided, and the message of grace is the issue. And if you don't, You're robbing yourself and your family, if you have one, of one of the great blessings in life. There is a group like that where the Bible is the Word of God, the King James Bible is believed and preached and taught, rightly divided, and the grace life is the life issue right in your community. There's a church close to you where you can find a gospel you can believe, a Bible you can trust. A study you can understand, a life you can live, and a purpose you can fulfill. Those folks provide me the opportunity to be here on this radio station week after week. They'd love to have you as a part of the learning ministry that they're involved in. If you don't have a church to attend today where God's Word is taught rightly divided, let me encourage you. Call us at our office, 888-535-2300, and we'll be glad to give you information and put you in contact with people in your location. We'll let you make the decision about if you contact them, and so. but they're there. I want you to know that. You're not stranded. There's an opportunity for you to fellowship with other saints that love God's truth out of His Word rightly divided. It's always good to have the opportunity to be here with you. Till the same time next week, Maranatha.